Today on Locked On Canadians, we have some very special guests. Before we get into the episode, we just need to remind everybody to subscribe to the Scorch Stack. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 487, everybody, and we're so, so excited today because we've got some special guests. But first, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Rise. Scott, how are you doing today? So far, so good. Just got back from the uh, puppy training class with the official Locked On Canadians uh, mascot, Maple the Dog, who is currently snoring in the other room and i've got uh cole caulfield and matthias norlinder pulled up on the screen behind me so it's a pretty good wednesday night all things considered that's right scott covers the rocket and prospects for habs eyes on the prize so you can find his stuff there and that's why i always defer to him when you guys ask mailback questions about the prospects but we're not here to talk about that right now We've decided that since the Canadians aren't giving us a whole lot to smile about lately, we wanted to bring you some guests that will make you smile. And from the Scourge stack, you will already know Ramina, who was on last season. And we also have Nathan. So let's start. Ramina, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Got a candle going. I'm ready for the evening. And we're so, so excited to have you. How about you, Nathan? This is your first time on the show. Yeah, it's truly an honor. Uh, Locked on Canadians is a must listen for me every day. So truly some powerhouses converging here. Nathan, which one's your favorite episode? Just wondering. (laughs) Uh, My favorite episode is obviously number 323 because they are numbered and I prefer the odd ones when Laura hosts because I'm such a huge fan. (laughs) (laughs) And so speaking of musts, you must subscribe to the Scorch Stack. If you're not familiar, it is the premiere, the best and really only only source of Calgary Flames news and information and rumors. Really, if you're not subscribed to Scorch Deck, really, really, you have to check them out. They are some of our favorite people on the internet. We've also had Mike uh, in an earlier episode. He was also on the cross check with Andrew Berkshire, one of our sister shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And there's a reason why they're everywhere. It's because they are the best. And speaking of the best or sort of the best, the Calgary Flames came out of the gate really well this season. So I'm going to throw it to Nathan first. Like, why is Calgary good? And when I say why, I think I mean how more than why. I think that's a really fun question because the question that we're asking a lot ourselves is, are the Flames good? Like, it just doesn't feel like (laughs) it can be real. So if if we look at, like, Flames trends in the past, like, obviously the season opener doesn't count because we haven't won one of those in over a decade. So you can just right off the bat, eliminate the game against Edmonton. And then they went on a 10 game point streak and looked good doing it in a way that wasn't comforting, but was like watching like a kid ride a bike for the first time where you're like, you're going to fall and there's going to be tears. And they just kept going. Like Obviously there's some wobbles, including last night's game against San Jose, but never in any real game have they looked super out of it, which I think is a testament to, the Daryl Sutter system, which we love to praise here. Uh, they brought in a lot of talent on the offseason that frankly was underwhelming, but Daryl Sutter knows how to push a good button. And so right now they're, they're right in the thick of it, which is both a treat and just a, a, a weird omen, if you will. So when you talked about how the Flames always lose that home opener, the game against Edmonton, 
the Canadians kind of have that too. Every year they open the season in Toronto and they lose or they lose in overtime. That game is always a write-off. But that's where the similarities end because the Flames brought in talent over the offseason that was underwhelming. The Canadians just drained talent is essentially what they did. They came out of the gate with a really bad record so far. They played 14 games. They have lost nine in regulation. They won three and they have lost one in overtime. What am I missing? They lost nine in regulation. They lost in overtime to the Kings where a loser point was celebrated like a win because that is how low the bar is currently in Montreal (laughs) this season. And so that's the one thing is that as as Flames fans have been watching their team being like, oh, wow, you know, are they good? In Montreal, we're asking ourselves, how can they be this bad? So I think one of the things that is notable in what the Canadians are doing is that a lot of their best players are having a hard time getting it together so far. Whereas in Calgary, there's a couple guys that are overperforming. And I think the Scorch Stack is going to stop being friends with me because I want to talk about Manjapani and how good he is. And I, I understand the sentiment, Rams, is that you don't want Leafs fans trying to get their grubby hands on him. Yeah, I'm really trying to gatekeep Manjapani, you know, gaslight gatekeep girl boss you know I'm a girl <laughs> boss so that's what I gotta do um I don't know I don't know what it is every underrated player they think they're gonna trade for him for some reason I don't know why anyways I mean Flames fans have known about Manjapane for a while how good he's been for a few years now and then I think he really got more recognition I guess during the worlds this year earlier this year was it this year time is messed up um okay it is Nathan's nodding so we're good um but yeah so he really got like recognition and now everybody is talking about how good he is and how underrated he is but I think we should stop talking about him let's talk about how bad he is so other teams don't um know about him I think the thing with with Leafs fans that I've noticed is that it's not that they they want all the underrated players. I feel like they think they're the only ones who know those players are underrated, right? It feels yeah. like they know this big secret that the rest of us don't. Whereas like where I'm sitting, I'm just like, we've talked about this before is that in, in Canada, there's no such thing as Canada's team. You do not cheer for teams other than your own. But Scott and I, even last year, we kind of had a soft spot for the Flames, not just because they were kind of, you know, neck and neck, especially leading up to the end of the the season, but we just kind of, we like you guys, right? We have friends uh, in Calgary and that was kind of, that was, it's fun to watch, but at the same time, if anybody in Canada is going to have success, we want it to be Montreal, obviously, and then Calgary and then nobody else, right, Scott? Pretty much like the Jets were fine. And then Mark Shifley tried to commit a homicide in the playoffs. And I decided the, the Jets coward, are all t- Mark the Shifley. coward Mark Shifley. Yes. How dare <laughs> That's I? Because his legal name. half of Alberta hates me. The Edmonton half. I've still been banned from British Columbia. And I don't think I'm allowed to cross into Ontario anytime soon after the playoffs. So <laughs> it was it was down to Winnipeg and it was down to Calgary. And then the coward Mark Shifley appeared. And I went, I am fully on the Flames train. And now that we don't play each other 37 times in a season, I am fully on board supporting the Flames, the revival of Scorch, more old Blasty, and every other good Flames thing that has ever happened ever. Oh, I was just going to say everybody hates Oilers fans also. Everybody hates Edmonton too, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I think if we look at last year's playoffs, like like the idea of a Canada's team, like you're right, Laura, like I don't give a shit if Winnipeg goes far. But 
the idea where like when Edmonton and Winnipeg faced off, it was like, yes, I do want the Oilers to get swept. This is satisfying to me. And then I don't care what happens to Winnipeg. Like I get that they try to fit homicide. I was like, okay, sure. Like they can do what they want. But <laughs> when Montreal beat Toronto, it was like, I need Montreal to go as far as they can. Not only because I genuinely like, you know, like Montreal, but just the, the knife twisted ever so deep into Leafs fans that it was just like, it's it's the anti-Canada's team watching Toronto. And the more that Montreal succeeded, it was just a blessing for everyone else. And honestly, it was a super fun ride, but it is over now. We have reality to face. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just one moment. But first, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. And today we have a special treat. We've got folks from the Scorch Stack hanging out with us, previewing the potential, not potential, the probable Montreal Canadiens loss to the Calgary Flames tonight. And before we go any further, a reminder to subscribe to Scorch Stack. I think I'm up to three now. <laughs> You're up to three. So you have one more to hit your minimum requirement. Yeah, quota. that's the contractual obligation. All right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the players that are doing really well. For example, Nathan's trying to shop Sean Monahan to Montreal. Scott, what do you think? I think at this current point, Cedric Paquette's like about to become the first line center because no matter what he does, Dominique Ducharme will not scratch him. So my thought currently is Sean Monahan can't possibly be worse than what's happening to the Habs this season down the middle. And I truly thought in the offseason with Kotkaniemi possibly being on the way out or Bergman looking for another center to replace Philip Deneau, it, it feels like Monahan is that guy. It's a re, it's a buy low candidate that Mark Bergevin loves. He rehabs them, then gets tired of them, and then trades them for a very handsome himbo from Columbus, and the cycle just starts all over again. So it's not the worst thing I've heard, but at the same time, it kind of gives me pause because I'm sure Calgary is still going to want decent return for Sean Monahan back after all the time they've spent developing him into an NHL player, but. Right now, I don't know if uh, if this is the right move for the Habs. Yeah, although he will sure up is. their himbo content. Absolutely. Wait, Sean Monahan's a himbo too, so that would leave us with what Ben Sherratt, who is he or Josh Anderson, the lead himbo on this team? I want to say Ben Sherratt because Josh Anderson, he's like he's a big dum dum, but sometimes the quotes he has are really intelligent. Whereas Ben Sherratt just scores into his own net all the time. <laughs> Sorry, if you trade for Monaghan, he will be your number one himbo. Like, there's just, he is a very beautiful man. And, like, you can just see, like. So you're going he, on up there. Yeah. Just <laughs> take one year out the other. He's like, ice, goals, yay, hooray, dogs. Like, it's just, it's beautiful to watch. I heard dogs, so I'm sold. And also, because when he gets traded to Montreal, it's not H-I-M-B-O. It's H-I-M-B-A-U-X, because it is himbo. <laughs> So we need to make sure that that is very much uh, established in there. I'm for it because a trio of himbos is, 
I, I don't know what to call it, but it's like a hydra of himbos and I'm here for it. <laughs> is best friends with a whole bunch of small boys, which means he would fit in great with your Cole Caulfield when he gets called up with Nick Suzuki. Like he is just, he will bring in his weird labradoodle hybrid that him and Johnny uh, have together. They will get their dogs. He will befriend all the tiny players and he'll just be happy doing whatever he does. It's great for Montreal. I'm, I'm sold now. I, I think uh, the only, the, the one player, honestly, the only player that let's just cross Milan Lucic off the list immediately. Let's not. He has four goals on the season. Five. Five. No, they gave it to Manjapane last night. Producer Duncan, really? producer Duncan fact checked us last night on overtime too. That's leadership. There, yeah, he gave it to Manjapane. Look at that. Which the Habs need. Well, I mean, they do need leadership, and Mila Lucic is like is the exact kind of guy that Mark Bergevin loves, and he's definitely like an albatross contract in my mind. He's perfect. Please <laughs> no, please, please no to Milan Lucic. We have enough old slow guys who one time won a cup with another team several years ago. Like, I don't want to do it. Mark Bergevin tried this once, and he s- settled for Carl Alsner, and that went terribly awry. So, like, I I don't think I could do it without having, trying to find the silver lining in that might be my greatest challenge yet. The thing with Lucic is that even though he is slow and, like, there's no denying that he's incredibly slow, is that everyone else in the league seems to have written him off because on several of the goals he has this year, like, he is aggressively the slowest-moving player on the ice. Everyone's like, oh, it's Lucic. Don't worry about it. And they give him all the time and space just to walk in and fire off a wrist that no one else would be given the courtesy of. And they're like, we just, you got to respect experience. You got to give it to Lucci. Like, he scored <laughs> several goals like this. It's bewildering. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a strategy too. Uh, the Canadians can't score at all at the moment. Honestly, I'm not lying when I say this, but Ben Sherrod has three goals on the season and I believe he is tied for second on this team. Looks like, like you need somebody to take that first spot. Milan Lucci is your guy with four goals. <laughs> Uh, he's he's definitely material. I don't know if that's a soft subject right now with Weber, but he's captain material. The Canadians, I think at some point they, they said that they had absolutely no intention of appointing a new captain. I mean, when Mark Bergevin was asked about it, he seemed almost insulted and he immediately said no. But now that they keep talking about the words leadership and all of that, I, I do think that at some point there will be a captain appointed right now. The A's are just floating around everywhere. Nick Suzuki was wearing one recently, but the really, I think for me, the most bizarre jarring thing is that as a Canadians fan, I keep hearing myself say, I miss when Corey Perry was on this team. And that to me is like, no, I, I don't need to see someone about this. Like I literally like the the Canadians fell apart without him in the locker room. I, I think it's fair to say that Corey Perry was, the glue from last season. And that's why everything's been awful. It's, ex- it's solely on Corey Perry. I don't want it to be core. I didn't want to like Corey Perry. Like, and then oh, I did. And I feel really unclean about it still, but then he's like best friends with Cole Caulfield. So I'm like, ah, don't eat out of that trash can though. But like, I, I, it's the weirdest thing is I'm like, I'm going to hate this. And then like three games in, I'm like, nope, you know what? I'm in, I'm in for, I'm in for Corey Perry, Montreal Canadiens legend. And yeah, I, I cannot believe that I am missing Corey Perry on this team right now. I think the worst thing that Leafs fans did was made me root for Corey Perry. Probably the worst thing they've ever done. Why? That's what happened? Absolutely fair. 
because I rooted for Carson. What do you mean? Why would happen? He scored the series winner. That's what we're all talking about, right? You mean the yeah. series where they blew a three-one lead? Yeah, that series, yeah, right? Of course, that's the one we're always talking about. <laughs> I mean, Scott. As you know, I have a terrible memory, so you're kind of going to have to explain to me once again what happened in that point. Well, Toronto went full Toronto and planned the parade, and then Alex Galchenyuk decided he wanted to still play for the Canadians, gave the puck away to Cole Caulfield in overtime of Game 5, and then they lost in Game 6 when Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who was a bust, scored off of, I want to say it was Justin Hall's ass and into the net. And then in Game (laughs) 7, Toronto just decided to not show up, and Corey Perry, who apparently murdered a man, scored the game-winning goal with his same kneecap, and the rest is all history after that. So if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's therapeutic, to put it quite lightly. <laughs> they made a TV show about it. Oh my God, they did. <laughs> it's honestly, like, the thing about it is that they don't spend enough time about, like, on the despair after that loss happens. But, Not like, I... I really like how they like they go out and they start filming it and producing it as if it's going to be a cup run. And they say the words Stanley Cup habits in multiple episodes. And then like at the end, it just it doesn't happen. And I was like, I need more of the aftermaths. But I did watch it. And and, and to me, the, the most upsetting thing about it was how normal Mitch Marner is like in the show. Like he's just he's just some dude. Like he's not a weirdo whitey freak that people kind of expect him to be or a crybaby or anything like that, which there have been rumors floating around that he is. He truly just seems like a really chill, nice guy who's a talented hockey player. Like he he did not seem weird at all. Well, because he took the brunt of the Babcock allegations, right? And everyone's like, wow, you can't take the Babcock. And it's like, yeah obviously this guy should be allowed to work in a non-toxic environment. Like I, I can't believe that we're like, Oh wow. Uh, millennial hates asshole boss uh, and is now a villain. Like how is that Marner's fault? This is true. Actually, there's a lot about uh, asshole bosses that it's going around in the NHL right now. And maybe we'll touch on that on our next segment. It's coming up in just one moment. So just before we started recording this, news came out that Bob Murray is now resigning from the Anaheim Ducks and is entering into substance abuse treatment. And we didn't really touch on this on last night's episode because the Canadians finally didn't lose a a game in really despairing fashion. We celebrated the overtime loss uh, and we had a really good episode, but the allegations came out that he was fostering a very negative, toxic, abusive work environment. And there was an investigation going on he was asked to take leave or he was placed on administrative leave and then today he has resigned and then at the same time there's reporting and rumors and and uh, conjecture and all of that about just like he was just like a really horrible person yelling at people bullying people sending unhinged text messages to players and coaches and constantly uh, fostering this environment of fear and so I feel like this is a really great example of the NHL falling ass backwards into consequences because of what happened with the Chicago Blackhawks. The NHL sent out a memo and I'll be the first to say that I made fun of that. I said, Oh, what's a memo going to do. But the fact that they, you know, they were kind of forced into doing this and forced into reminding all of their teams that this would be unacceptable and that uh, allowing this to happen would be unacceptable. Uh, It forced a lot of, of teams to kind of take stock and, 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 uh, and look at what's going on. And I guess, 
what may have happened is, or what I think right now, what the reporting is saying is that, you know, there was an anonymous, anonymous complaint or two made, an investigation is going on. And I just think that, I think one thing that is become, has become really, really clear, and I think we, can, we should kind of touch on that as I'm assuming we're all millennials, I think we're kind of in that age range, is that people were talking about how this has always been the way it is. And there's men like that in hockey all, all across, you know, all across history and all across, you know, the leagues and, and levels at all levels. I just personally think that it is possible to succeed and it is possible to be a successful leader, manager, general manager, coach, or whatever, without being abusive. And I like, I do not understand why more people just aren't like, zero tolerance about this. I mean, with Mike Babcock, when all the allegations came out about what a bully he was, people were like, yeah, but he gets results. He's got two Olympic medals and Stanley Cups. And But that should be irrelevant. You can't just overlook people's abusive qualities, whatever capacity it is, just because they're success. That would not be tolerated in any other business. Why should it be tolerated in sports? And here's the thing about Mike Babcock winning Olympic gold medals is if I had Team Canada's roster, I could win Olympic gold medals because it's playing on like rookie settings in NHL and it doesn't excuse that kind of behavior. And a lot of people mention that it's like, well, you know, the NHL keeps having all these events day after day, hour after hour. And it's like, well, yeah, because the last time everything got swept to the side, it all started blowing up like this it's better to know that these things that they're coming to light now than letting them sit and fester underneath for God knows how long. And that after Kyle beach spoke up and the whole Chicago thing happened, that someone saw this kind of negative behavior happening in Anaheim, that it was reported and immediate action was taken. I don't think the NHL is earned nearly enough trust to make it a full-time thing right now or to give them the full benefit of the doubt. But Right now, it's a good step forward. I think that, like you're saying, Scott, the NHL hasn't really earned the the trust or the commendation right now. I think what really is happening here is like there's there's a history of of Bob Murray's actions, and we're going to spoke, focus on Anaheim for a second. Like you talk about the the chair throwing in 2009, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other stories that aren't going to be made public, but there's just you know people in the know know about it. And this is a case of Anaheim understanding the assignment from that memo and saying, okay we have a chance here to get out of this before it becomes a major obstacle. Let's do our due diligence because we know, I mean, it's, 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 there's a bunch of not secret secrets in the league of uh, general managers and coaches, either perpetuating abuse or covering up abuse or like turning a blind eye while they're in the room. Uh, and there's no consequences right now. I think this is specifically Anaheim going out of its way to a remove a problem per presence, but B, I'm sure there's people in Anaheim who are saying this is potentially a liability and we owe it to specifically Anaheim to get rid of it before it blows up and ruins the franchise in the season a la Chicago or even what's happening in Florida with Quenville hanging over a fairly good start to the season. And also, I think it's funny that people love to use the, oh, this is the way it's always been. Well, lots of things were the way it was all has been and those things change so can't really rely on history because history is not good so and yeah i i don't think i don't think anaheim and i could be wrong but i don't think anaheim did this out of like the goodness of their hearts i think they did this to not have the blow up in their faces so i just kind of want it like i have like i'm glad they did it should have been done earlier 
I mean, yeah, like I'm glad they did it, but I don't really have high expects or high hopes of the reason why they did it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something where they saw all of us, literally every single person in the world looking at the Chicago Blackhawks saying, how could you let this happen? And they're like, uh, we, we, we don't want to be in the, in their shoes. So the fact that, you know, this has been going on, he's been in hockey for what it says, 45 years, he's been in hockey and he's been like this the whole time. And how long has he been general manager in Anaheim, right? Since Burke left. So the fact that they're doing this, like they're making it look like swift action because what they released was like, we immediately, immediately called on a law firm to investigate, but it's like, yeah, but there's no way you didn't know this guy's an asshole and like bullies people when he's been working for you for what is it? I don't know how many years now. Cause he became general manager in 2009, I believe. And so like, he's God knows how long he'd been working there before that. So it's, it's definitely disingenuous, but at the same time it's necessary. And so you kind of, there's a balance because as fans, I think, we need to hold the league and the, and the teams that we love to a standard. We have to demand better from them, but we can't give them too much of a pat of the back, a pat on the back when they do the bare minimum. Like there should not be an abusive boss in any workplace. Yeah. Like there's no way Bob Murray just all of a sudden became an asshole at like 60 years old. Like it's, he's been like this his entire adult life, let's be honest. So yeah, I I totally agree. Let's not give anybody a pat on the back here. And this is going to be a really jarring kind of segue because we do need to wrap up, even though we would honestly talk to you guys for hours and hours, but we do kind of have to turn our attention to the game tonight. So let's really, really quickly talk about if you are the Montreal Canadiens, assuming that your coach uh, is good at strategy and your players are not underperforming dramatically, um, what do you need to do if you want to beat this current Calgary Flames team? Shoot the puck when Nikita Zadorov is in front of the goalie. <laughs> and they'll probably get a goal. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The Canadians have an issue with putting things into the net with any sort of regularity. So can you have Sutter play Nikita Zadorov like, 26 27 minutes for us that'd be extremely helpful for us no that's okay thanks but (laughs) but we're gonna put ben charat out there which is just like it's giving away own goals unless he decides to be good for once he he'll like have one good game where he'll like actually contribute to the offense and not score an own goal and then he'll follow it up with like three games where it's his turnover that leads immediately to like a barrage of goals on poor Jake Allen Scott even if we had the power to communicate directly with Daryl Sutter which we've been working on for months at Scorch Jack uh if we were to ask him like hey can you play Nikita Zadorov a whole bunch uh, he would think about for a good 10 seconds the chores that he's not uh, fulfilling right now at the farm. And then remember, he's talking to us, get back to him, and be like, no. And that would be <laughs> it. It's, it's just not going to happen. We're going to put the movable object versus the stoppable force. We're going to put Cedric Paquette against Nikita Zadorov at one on one. And that's just going to be the game. And everyone else just gets Bell Center hot dogs and gets to watch as both of these guys try their best to hold on to their position in the NHL right now. And I don't like the Canadians odds in that circumstance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although, you know, well, I was just going to say knowing the flames luck, I mean, like we're doing good against teams that are doing good. 
So the teams that aren't were not like, I'm totally confident you guys are going to win seven, two. That's just what's going to happen tomorrow night. I mean, but that's also past flames. So that's what I'm used to in this season. The flames aren't showing any sort of former flames moves. So maybe that won't happen, but if I'm being, um, if, if I'm used to previous seasons are definitely losing tomorrow. <laughs> because um, the Flames are on a back-to-back, if Dan Vladar is in net tomorrow, uh, he's going to give up three. The Flames are going to win. If Jacob Markstrom is in net, uh, the Flames are going to have like five or six brain parts a game, and it'll depend if Marshall can stop them. They might run away with it 7 nothing, or like Ram said, it'll be a 7-2 loss. And honestly, either will be like, okay, yeah, that feels right. I feel like it's absolutely unfair for when there's a back-to-back for the team, for like a team to play the worst team first and then the better team second, because like they're going to play in Montreal and Montreal right now is it's, you know, like uh, we did power, we do power rankings on the locked on podcast network. And it's very tempting for me to put them 32nd every time. I just don't because there's Arizona and Chicago. So it's really like, like the Canadians are kind of like a free two points. Right. And then they have to go and play in, in Toronto. And I just, I feel like it's really unfair on the flames. It's also kind of unfair on the Habs because the Habs need Toronto all the help bias. they can get. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. It's great. They're a confidence booster. Yes. For the flames. Not for us. Absolutely not. (laughs) Speaking of confidence boosters, there's one more thing that I wanted to touch on because we have not yet talked about it on the podcast and we don't want to not talk about it. Uh, Scott, once again, can I ask you to really quickly summarize what happened with the Comets and Cole Caulfield? um, And we can kind of just really quickly debate that before we, we stop talking to our wonderful guests. All right. So Cole Caulfield is playing with the Laval Rocket down in the AHL right now, and they went to Utica, home of nothing, unless you like (laughs) heroin, um, which is, I'm sorry, I'm from New York, and that's all they're known for at this point. But their social media team on Twitter, uh, after the first period, it was a 0-0 game. Uh, Tag Caulfield in a tweet going, oh, we thought you were supposed to be here. We thought you were playing, blah, blah, blah. Where is he tagging Caulfield directly? Where a bunch of people went, what's wrong with you? Why would you tag a person directly in this? The AHL got involved. Paul Caulfield got involved. Uh, Habs fans were not pleased. I saw actually a good chunk of people going. It's kind of a cheap shot and a low blow to actually directly tag the player in this. The AHL made them delete the tweet because uh, it was bad and dumb and stupid across the board. So it's being made out to be a bigger deal than it is because naturally, but I'm not a fan of it. It's like, it's one thing to chirp a team. It's another directly tag a player where you were then flooding their mentions with anonymous jerks who are tweeting God only knows what at them. So um, it's something that everyone should move past. It's done, it's dusted, and we should definitely not dwell on it for any longer than we already have. (laughs) Which has been a few days now. This happened on Sunday. And here's my opinion is that if you want to make a tongue in cheek joke about this, absolutely do that. And you do it in such a way, like lots of NHL teams do that, right? Like they'll say, for example, like, you know, they'll mention the best player in the world when 
like um what's his face i was almost gonna say nathan mckinnon i meant connor mcdavid uh like if he's playing in your arena and then you score against the oilers and then it's like you say you have the best player in the world like i would have done that with like the jake evans goal that he had last night for example um or something like that like something very tongue-in-cheek where you're specifically talking about a person but you're not tagging them and tagging them just opens it up to idiots like anytime you're responsible for a pylon of any kind. Like I'm not super, super down for that because it's not like he did something he did. He, it's not like he did anything to provoke that. Right. So like, I feel like you should have fun as a social media team, but at the same time, if, if he hadn't been specifically tagged, I don't think anybody would be upset, but then the addition of the hockey dad is what made it blow up. Yeah. I was going to say a funny joke would be like, or like, Along that line, if you also have a player named Connor who scored, you'd be like, oh, the better Connor scored tonight or something like something fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And I saw people say, like, why did you tag him? But then I also saw people who don't like the Habs think it was like really funny. And I'm like, I mean, if this was against your team, you would not think it's funny. And, and, you know, so it's just that kind of sucked but yeah I think the only reason why it's blown up as much as it did is because of his dad like his dad came out and was like you're bullying my son and now people are just making fun of them because his dad had to do that it's like the teacher in school like going up to the bully saying don't bully this kid and then they bully him harder because he went to his teacher it's like that so yeah it's 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 become a lot bigger than it should have Yeah, I feel like it should like it got blown out of proportion. Like if you're running social media for a team, like don't act like a three year old like and and you can have fun and you can be dorky. Like I'm not saying like, you know, not everybody's going to be really funny and there's always going to be teams trying really hard teams that we will not mention, uh, but they are a weather phenomenon uh, and they do try too hard on social media. But I just I feel like the tagging of a guy that didn't it's not like he went out there and said something really idiotic and and, you know, uh, it was literally like he shows up to work and then he gets tagged and then a bunch of idiots are piling on him. And I, I like I, I wanted to talk about this so that we could move on and not talk about it because it is still going on. We're recording this on Wednesday night and it's still going on on the like people are still talking about it on Twitter. Uh, I believe the athletic actually asked him about it uh, today. And so I just like we should have we I just wanted to address it so that we could move on from it. Um, yeah, not everybody can be like a Rams running the Calgary Inferno Twitter funny. So I think everybody <laughs> needs to like, you, nobody's going to be at that level. So I think we all just got to take it down a notch or two, you know? I absolutely I agree. And I really miss close. those days. Me too. <laughs> all right. Parting thoughts. Does anybody have anything? Oh, I'll go around. Let's start with Nathan. Uh, honestly, no matter what happens against uh, Flames versus Habs, I'll watch the game and be like, oh yeah, this checks. I'm just so excited just to assume that whatever happens is uh, it's fate. I guess destiny. Like I'll watch this game and be like, oh, what a treat for us to enjoy any score, any suspension, any death on the ice. I'll be like, yeah, of course it was going to happen. I can't wait. That is fantastic attitude. Rams, how about you? Yeah, I got to agree with Nathan there. I think anything that happens will definitely bring the reaction of sure. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It sounds about right. Yeah, and also please take Milan Lucic. Thank you so much. Oh, we yeah. will not. We will not. Well, but we will uh, subscribe. Why don't we sleep on it? <laughs> 
see how we feel in the morning. Okay, we will do that. But we will, what we will do, we will not take Milan Lucic even after sleeping on it. We will do is we will remind people to subscribe to the Scorch Stack. Uh, and uh, Scott, do you have any parting thoughts before we sign off? It's a, it's a bold assumption to assume I'm going to sleep at all anyways, because I'm caffeinated more than any human being should be. And even if I was, my answer is still no to Milan Lucic. And I'm going to echo the sentiments that I'm going to look at this game and go, yeah, that seems about right across the board, whether it be stupid or boring or something in between. It, it's going to take a lot for me to look at that game against the Flames and go, ah, well, I wasn't expecting that at all. I, I don't know why, but that's that is currently my feeling going into that. And before we do actually sign off, I will first say follow The Scorch Stack on Twitter at The Scorch Stack. Uh, Rams and Nathan, do you care to share your social media? You don't have to if you don't want people following you, but do you want to share your social media? Yeah, I mean, Laura, bold of you to assume that I don't like attention. I don't know who you think I am. I love (laughs) attention. Follow me at Rams Reboot, Rams with a Z. And how about you, Nathan? I can be found online uh, at Hanaton, which is admittedly easier to say than it is to understand what it is. So H-A-N-O-T-E-N for the sporadic photo of my cat and really no insight whatsoever. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla, but do not get mad at what he is posting in his GIFs. He has absolutely no control over what's happening in the game. He's just capturing them for you. Uh, and you can follow me at The Active Stick. Please subscribe to or follow Locked On Canadians wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this podcast, check out Locked On Bets, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's self-explanatory, really. If you want advice on how to bet, check out Locked On Bets. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you tomorrow.